One of the things that I loved, loved, loved to do in school was play sports. And I played basketball, and I ran track, and I did um, as much as I could. And I didn't always make the team, and that was okay, because I still went and cheered and acted like I knew what I was talking about anyway. Um, But one of the stories that encouraged me to do that is one that is about a gentleman by the name of Roger Bannister. Does anybody know who Roger... Bannister is. Got one, two, three, four in the back. For years and years and years, um, people just said a sub four-minute mile was just an impossibility. Roger Bannister was a medical student. He was an athlete, and his goal was to break that four-minute mile barrier. And on May 6th in 1954, he got up, he was at the hospital, he sharpened his, his shoes um, so that they wouldn't pick up the ash from the, from the track on it. And he got up and he went and he heard there was wind that day. And he began to, to just think, you know, this is just not going to happen. This is just not going to happen. And he got there and he, he kept going and... At the end of the race, as he crossed the finish line, the announcer said that his time was three, and then nobody could hear anything else because everybody else was so happy that that four-minute mile was broken, and it was like a 3.59, so it was just barely under it, but he broke it. Shortly after that, I think within about two weeks, his record fell to someone else by a couple of seconds, and then it's fallen again. And again, he had faith that it could happen. And because he believed it, and he had the courage to believe it and step out, others began to achieve things that no runner ever thought possible for years since the Greeks had been running. Faith is a powerful, powerful thing. Um, as I began to prepare for today's sermon, um, and I'm, uh, this was probably six weeks or so ago, um, I had been listening to a book called Fearless, um, and I'm going to share a little bit of that with you in the sermon, but one verse just came to mind for today's sermon, and that was Joshua 1.9. Um, we're going to stand tall like this giraffe, so I like that. Um, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen? Why are we afraid? Has anybody in here ever gone through life and and just encountered nothing but faith and courage the whole entire time and never been afraid? Good. I'm not alone. <laughs> um, we, we have great fears from the fear of not mattering in this world to the fear of disappointing God or our families to not doing what we need to for our families to overwhelming challenges. And we can all, I'm sure, compete in the what ifs and, and predicting the the negative scenarios that'll happen. You know, if I go back down this road again, it's just going to be a disaster. If I, if I get up and try to go run that race on Saturday, I'm probably just going to fall and, and bust it and everybody's going to laugh at me. And so I'm not even going to go. I'm not going not gonna to attempt it. 
We have fears of violence, especially in today's world, coming off this week of, of news from Orlando, of news from around the world when our hearts have been broken. We have the fear of weather-related issues, of death, of what's next, global calamity even, or the fact that we might lose sight of God. You know, one of the, one of the things about being a Christian is that we, we have to realize, and, and in this book of Joshua, Joshua we have to remember that um, just because we're Christians doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. The book of Joshua reminds us that having title and deed to something like the promised land, doesn't mean we're just going to have it handed to us on a silver platter and go, here you go, it's tied up in a nice, neat bow. Sometimes we have to kind of walk through the fire and the testing and the conflict and the struggle to get there. And it's a wake-up call for us often. I've heard the question so many times, it's not funny. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen? Why does any of this have to happen? It, it's a question that, that I've asked as recently as this week. Um, the death of a, a cousin who is just four years younger than I am, who, who you know, it's just not going to make sense to be at family reunions without him because when we were little, um, you can guess we were the troublemakers. We were the babies of the family, and um, though I was older, he led the way. And um, <laughs> so sometimes he led the way. Sometimes I led the way. But we, we found ourselves, you know, just attached at the hip. And I, I don't know, even at his dad's funeral a few years ago, the one I looked for was Chris. And so it was strange to go to his funeral. That's Okay. It's okay for us to feel that deeply. It means our hearts have been opened. It means our hearts have been touched. And we're stepping out in faith knowing that love is going to win in the long run. Love is going to be the thing that steps out and that God is going to be there for us. Life may be full of battles and conflicts, but in the end, we can have a victory in God. John Eldridge in Wild at Heart speaks about a man's character. And since it's Father's Day, I'm going to lean a little bit towards the guys today. Um, and one of the questions that he, he poses comes from a, a belief that in every man's heart that there's just fundamental questions. They can't be answered by a, a, a meme on Facebook or a magnet on the refrigerator. They're deep-hearted questions. Who am I? What am I made of? What am I destined for? They're powerful, powerful questions. One of the things that um, Joshua does is it tells the story of a search for a destiny, a, a place in life a, where God has called people to and he's leading them there. And, and guys, I don't... And, and ladies, y'all understand I'm talking to you too, but I'm going to focus on the guys. I know that each of you has some way in which you are leading 
someone, whether you know it or not. It may be the child who is watching you always that you don't even have a clue is there, but they see you. I saw it this week at Vacation Bible School. Many times the kids would be watching the adults, and the adults would turn around and be surprised, and sometimes, you know, we got caught on our phones. I admit it. Um, don't tell Brooke. She'll get me. Um, but they also caught us in great moments when we were, you know, listening attentively to the child who had something important to say. And that child may not have thought it was that important or somebody else nearby may not have thought it was that important, but because we listened and they saw that we listened, they knew they mattered. Um, Our bishop and his wife are retiring And we will have a new bishop in September, and we had a reception for them, and and we had an opportunity to write note cards. And I'd had several youth delegates that would attend conference with me for for three of the four years that I was in Chatsworth. The first year that I was there, they they didn't get to go with me, but the, the other three years they did. And the thing they left conference saying was, we matter because we know we matter, because the bishop told us we matter. And I said, did he tell you you matter? And they said, he told us we matter because he listened to us. I was afraid my voice wasn't going to be heard, and I was afraid to even go talk to him. And he made it so easy. And I reminded them of Joshua 1.9, to be strong and courageous, not to be terrified, to speak up. Our young people have a lot to offer this world. They can teach us many, many lessons that wouldn't even occur to us to think about. They think outside the box. And I love that. And and I told uh, Margaret, as the bishop was, was talking to various people who wanted to see him, I said, you know, I can't thank the two of you enough. And I said, I'm thanking you, but I want you to really tell him that, you know, just take in just two minutes. I know he's one of the, he is not one of, he is the busiest person at annual conference. He presides over 3,000 people. That's not an easy thing to do. And for him to take time to to take selfies with the youth that want to come up and be silly and make a duck face with him and to, to take time to do those things, it made them realize that their gifts and their graces matter. They're not afraid to walk up to a microphone and say, you know what, this, this resolution we're talking about or this, this budget that we're talking about, I've got concerns. I've got an opinion, and it matters. He's a father figure to them in many ways. My dad um, is about, let's see, about this tall. He's a little bit shorter than me. He was school superintendent in Fayette County in the late 1960s. Who knows what was happening then? Integration of schools. That's right. Well, I was a baby. I was either a twinkle in their eye or I was a baby at the time that this happened. And my brothers and my sister remember this time. I don't. But there were many death threats made against my dad, against me, against my brothers and sisters, my mom his extended family who lives there, and he stood up in faith. 
he was afraid for our family, but he stood up in faith and he said, I believe people have a right to an education. And I believe it's my responsibility to follow the law and to integrate these schools. So I'm going to have to do this, and I'm going to have to hold my head high and do this. And he prayed, and there were people that prayed over our household probably more than any other time in our life. And he was not reelected, and somebody asked him, they said, was it worth it? Did you, did you lose your dignity here? And he said, no, no, not at all. He said, I did what God had called me to do. There's an article that's published in the Fayette County paper during that time that says, Gene Bowers may be five foot seven, but he's really 10 feet tall. I love that article. My dad is a giant in the faith. He taught me many, many ways in which I should not be afraid, but that I should step out in faith. I can remember a time when he was going through, um, he was an educator, and um, we have several in the education field who are looking for work right now, so you know what that's like if you're one of those in here. And um, he he was looking for work, and, and I remember them saying, you know, we've got to be careful about how much we go to the swimming pool, because you had to pay, you know, pretty good amount then to go. And he said, we've got to be careful about how many times we stop the ice cream truck. And, you know, he was home with four kids. He was trying to occupy us, and we wanted stuff, and we wanted um, fun. And he said, you know, we're going to have fun. We're going to go out in the yard. We're going to throw a softball back and forth. And we're like, really? We want to go to the pool where it's cool. He would say, we're going to get ice water instead of ice cream. And we'd be like, Dad, come on. But every Sunday, he wrote a check, and he'd have one of us put it in the offering plate. And one Sunday, I saw the amount on it, and I was like, wait just a minute. I was like, hold on. I can't go to the swimming pool, but you can give this to church? And he said, okay, it's time to have a conversation. And I said, but if you spend this, I'm afraid we're not going to have money to go do other things. Like, we could go to the beach, Dad. And he said, you know what? I would be more afraid if we didn't have a family that put their stock and their faith in God. And he said, we can have just as good a summer without that. Well, then he got a job, and we got to go to the beach because he had continuing education there. So, yay. <laughs> and they had fireworks while we were there. So that was, I mean, it just... God has a way of answering these things, and, and men have a role in stepping up and being like Joshua so that we can stand tall. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine the experience that was for him to have a family of six, you know, and, and, and we, were, we were always a two-income family with my parents, and um, to have a family of six and for him to worry about it because he always felt like he should be the provider. But he taught me so much, and he taught me things that I carry into the job network ministry here. And I use this verse with folks who come in, and they, said, they say, you know, I'm afraid of where the next month's rent is coming from. I'm afraid of the fact that my kids are going to be disappointed in me because I don't have a job. I'm afraid of the fact that I may not be able to make a contribution or that I'm going to find myself, you know, just completely going under here. 
And it's tough. It's tough. Those are burdens that are, that are awfully hard. Fear will take a hold of us in mighty, mighty ways. There's, there's a story uh, about one of the, the bombings in, in London that um, the sirens went off and people began to run for cover and nothing fell. 173 people died that night, but not a single bomb was dropped. Fear caused a stampede, and that stampede crushed people, trapped people, and left them totally in just a a phase of catastrophic loss in their communities because of the fact that they, they just... They, they were so afraid they weren't even looking out for the other person around them. They were, just, they were just running right over the other person. I'm not sure what I would have done in that situation. I can't judge them because I don't know what I would have done. I might have I run and knocked somebody over too. I don't know. I've not been in that situation, thankfully. But what I do know is we all come out better when we look out for each other. Joshua was someone who, who knew that strength and courage come from recognizing and relating to God's will and having a sense of call and destiny in his life. He's someone who knew that strength and courage come from resting in the promises of God. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. Joshua knew that through daily renewal, that he could find God's word and God's will. He could find a way to to overcome the the journey ahead, to, to overcome the battle ahead. Logistically, he knew that that there were different things ahead of him, and he sent the spies out because of that. He, he thought smart, uh, he thought, uh, this is going to sound strange, he thought smartly. Does that make sense? He took time to pray about it, to lay out a process that he could lead his people in the best way possible, and to listen to God. I love the song um, that talks about the Battle of Jericho, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, and, and how the walls come tumbling down. Can you imagine the look on their faces when he went to his troops and said, you're going to march around this city for seven days, and you're going to blow trumpets, and we're going to win. And they were probably like, he's had a little too much sun and not enough water. But because of who he is and because of who put, he put his faith in, they weren't afraid to go grab that instrument and march. Joshua knew something that they needed to know, that they believed because he believed it. He knew that the source who was telling him not to be afraid, not to be discouraged, not to be terrified, was God. And he knew that through the reckoning of God's person and God's presence, that he would be 
okay and they would be okay and they would get to their promised land because of his courage Joshua could go to the people and he could immediately tell them you know this is what we are being called to do he confidently showed faith in God and any task they had that laid ahead and he had a clear understanding of all that laid ahead of him that's a tough thing to do in life that sounds really easy and really wonderful on paper um, but it's not always easy I'm sure the Brazil team could identify with this right now <laughs> you know they've planned they've packed their bags they've prayed they've done all these things you know Joanne and some others know the tasks that lay ahead of them but the new ones don't um, I'll never forget the look on Allison Wallace's face when she told me she was going. And I said, good, it's about time. And she said, would you stop? She says, people need to quit affirming this. And I'm like, you know, hey. I had somebody come to me and say, I think I'm supposed to go to Kenya. And I said, yeah, I know you are. And they said, quit it. I had the same look on my face when... Bishop Juan came to me and he said, you're going to be in the Philippines in January. This was a few years ago. And I said, okay. He says, God's telling me this. And I said, God hadn't told me anything. About two days later, I went up and I said, I'll see you in January. <laughs> and it was one of the best things that I could have ever done. One of my favorite groups is um, Sanctus Real. They're a Christian group. They're not super widely known or anything like that. But I got to see them in concert with my youth at Center Valley. And while we were there, we had, and, and we didn't know they were going to do this, but we, we had been talking about the role of men and women in the church and different things. And they, they all wanted to see men who were strong and women who were um, bold because of the strength of, of you know, how we complement each other. And the lead singer got up, and he started talking, um, and he, he, Matt Hammett is his name, and he started talking, and he said, you know, he says, I'm a dad, and it's pretty scary sometimes. He said, uh, you know, the song we're going to sing, it's a, it's a personal confession, it's a prayer of mine, it, it's going to be a source of hope for, for me coming along. It's going to be a source of hope for our child, for our family, and we hope for you. His wife was pregnant at the time, and, and their, their child is fine. They're, they have a beautiful family, and they, just, they, they were having some questions coming up about, you know, how, what it was going to look like to be parents and what it was going to look like to, to raise a child and how it was going to change them. And he began to think, and I'm going to, tell you what he said. He said, I think the challenge for me and hopefully other men as well is to ask myself, what kind of man am I? Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but what kind of man am I today? Have I invested in my family emotionally, spiritually, the way that God has called me to reach out to them? He didn't like his answers. So he started writing this song, and then 
began to apply some of those principles that Joshua had of recognizing God's sovereignty and control, recognizing God's presence and power and how it enables us. And he began to write these words. I look around and see my wonderful life almost perfect from the outside. In picture frames, I see my beautiful wife always smiling, but on the inside, I can hear her saying, lead me with strong hands and stand tall when I can't. Don't leave me hungry for love, chasing dreams. What about us? Show me you're willing to fight, that I'm still the love of your life. I know we call this our home, but I still feel alone. And he's describing their story. I see their faces, I look in their innocent eyes, their children from the outside, and I'm working hard and telling myself they'll be fine. They're independent. But on the outside, I can hear them saying, lead me with strong hands. So he wrote this prayer as the last part of the song. Father, give me strength. Actually, let's just make this our closing prayer. Would y'all bow your heads with me? Father, give me the strength to be everything that I am called to be. Father, show me the way to lead them. Won't you lead me? To lead them with strong hands, to stand tall when they can't. I don't want to leave them hungry for love, chasing dreams that I could give up. Help me show them I'm willing to fight and give them the best of my life so we can call this our home. Lead me, Father, because I can't do this alone. Lord, we come to you this day as a people who want to live in faith and not in fear, who want to come and seek your will and seek your mercy and your grace, who want to seek your strength to be bold. Lord, you tell us, to be strong and courageous, to not be terrified, to not be discouraged because you are with us. What an amazing command and promise that you have laid out, not just for Joshua, but for us. You tell us not to fear, you tell us not to be afraid, and yet we still find our times when we step out saying, but what if this happens? What if I can't do the things I need to do? I'm afraid, Lord. What if the worst things in the world happen? What if everything around me collapses? Help us to trust in you. Lead us with your strong hands. Stand up. We can't help us to stand tall knowing that we are your children. You have called us to be messengers of grace and of courage and of strength. Help us to lay our fears before you that we might see you and not, not the negatives that lay ahead. 
but the positives in the fact that you are always, always with us. And all God's people said, 